Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Queens, we have Megan E. Marshall here. She's a master's in education and is the business core administrator in the Smeal College of Business at Penn State University. She's also the co-founder of the FLY movement, which stands for Fuel, Love, and You. They seek to provide educational workshops to cultivate spaces for athletic teams to discuss body image, sport, and performance. Their mission is to create transparency in the way you think and talk about body image and eating disorders in athletics. Marshall began her time at Penn State as a Division I student athlete on the track and field team. She's a Big Ten medalist in the distance medley relay, a Big Ten score in the 800 meters, and a member of the Penn State school record-setting distant medley team in 2007. Marshall's worked in academic advising since her return to the university in 2012. Along with advising undergraduate students, she's been a part of many wellness efforts on campus, such as the Body Project, a dissonance-based body acceptance intervention program, and Stand for Violence, Mental Health Concerns, Acts of Bias, and Risky Drinking and Drug Use. She also has collaborated with multiple stakeholders across campus and presented at the DUS Advising Conference on Mental Health on college campuses. Megan, thanks for being on. We're yeah. so excited to talk with someone who kind of shares the same mission. We do. So thank yes. you. I love connecting with like-minded people and passions, and I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your journey as a student athlete. One of the things we talk about here is, which I don't think is talked about um, as much as this transition to sport, mm-hmm. possibly transition to higher level or transition out of sport. So how was the transition from high school to college for you? Yeah, so I actually talk a lot about this in a lot of my presentations because that's when things really changed for me. Mm. And so in a lot of my presentations, I focus on that. Um, I did start out like I think a lot of athletes do as a multi-sport athlete and running didn't come until ninth grade. So I wasn't, I see a lot of younger runners now. And so this was something that I picked up later and I was, I guess, a soccer player and softball player first. And so high school running was really where I found uh, the joy in running and I just happened to be good at it, or people told me I was. Um, you were. <laughs> I honestly think um, where I struggled uh, was the transition to college and my lack of education. And so when I say lack of education, I just mean what kind of transition I'm going to go through. You know, what are some of the issues that women runners face in college, body image, and some of those things. And so... For me, it was the perfect storm that included the environment, pressure to be thinner or better or faster in comparison to others. And I think that just dealt me a bad hand. Transitioning into college is hard enough, but for me, 
um, you know, going through an injury. And genetically, I was predisposed to have some of these addictive um, traits. Uh, I just wasn't educated. And so it was really unfortunate that I was dealt a bad card at that time. I was going to ask you some of your, you know, transition to the sport and struggling with um, an eating disorder. What were some of the experience you had around body image as a runner, messages you noticed with teammates and coaches? Was it something that you were kind of picking up on or getting these messages around needing to be a certain size or weight or performance that impacted you? Or was it other things that had an impact on developing that eating disorder relationship? I think there always was uh, the pressure to be thin on the team or fit, as coaches would put it. And I think there was a lot of praise around losing weight. Um, I remember coming back from the summer and having lost a lot of weight, um, being told that's what a real athlete looks like. Oh. And so uh, that fed <laughs> wow. into, obviously. Rebecca, Rebecca did not Sorry. Like <laughs> My yeah, blood pressure just went that up. That <laughs> fed into, obviously, the praise and wanting to fit in and wanting to, you know, seek approval mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so... I think also, you know, you, you know, I noticed athletes being scared of eating certain foods at the time, like there were good and bad foods and a lot of teammates were on diets. Um, I think the list goes on, but comparison just really crept in uh, to my mind at that time. And so, you know, comparing to other teammates that were probably on a diet or, you know, thinner than me and thinking to myself, oh, I, I must have to be like that in order to be fast. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things played a part into my body image. Yeah. How tough. So Karen and I both, we work a lot with athletes that have um, eating disorders. But one thing that seems mm-hmm. to get looked over is we get a lot of media press about during the time, like when they're struggling and when they're yeah. addressing. But we don't hear a whole lot about the journey of recovery. Would you be willing yeah. to share that with us? Yeah. Um I would say my journey has never ended and I don't think recovery, you get to a point and you're done. Mm -hmm. And so I like to put it like my story never ended. And so uh, mental health affects all of us in some way. And the beauty of my story personally is that I got to a point in my recovery when I was able to share and own it. And I talk a lot about owning your story because without that, um, I feel like you can't um, move forward in a way. And so that's powerful for me. And recovery isn't perfect. So even though we do strive for perfection a lot of the time, um, I gave myself a lot of grace and surrounded myself with a strong team. And this is where my recovery came into place. So uh, telling people, my family, my husband, and working with a counselor was really important to me. And one thing to note is, Uh, that everyone's story and recovery is so different. So I actually didn't go to a treatment center. um, So that could be different for somebody else that, you know, has gone and seen success. But um, it worked for me to just seek a counselor and a psychiatrist and to work with them through my journey. Because I did wait about 10 years before I started talking about it. And so um it was remembering my why and my journey. And um, just with recovery and running, 
I always have to remember that why, because if something stresses me out, if running stresses me out, I'm not going to do it anymore because it's not worth it to me. And so if I start comparing myself or catching myself, comparing myself to other runners, then it's not worth it. And I actually post-collegiately, it took me a while to find that joy in running again. And so my recovery with running and that piece of it, um, I found a coach that was really supportive of me. And I kind of have loose goals. Uh, I do like setting goals, but I I feel like if they're rigid, then um, it's really hard for me to have joy in that. And so um, I keep it fun and I keep it like a free schedule. So if I don't get like my workout done, it's totally okay. And it, it really helps me like with my balance on my mental health, especially as a new mom. Um, I need that time um, for myself and it, it allows me to be a better mom in the end. So that's just a part of my recovery. It took me a while to get there, but I also think recovery is, it's never ending. So mm-hmm. I think that's one important thing to note. I love that you said that because we had somebody on that was doing a lot of mental health advocacy and she's recovered from an eating disorder. And she commented about how when we labeled ourselves as recovered, that then we struggle when we've hit a bump in the road to go Mm -hmm. back to help. But if you always kind of keep your foot in the door, then you're always striving towards that recovery. So I like that a lot. Thank you for saying that for for others that are struggling. Um, How did you – I'm kind of curious. How did you step back into the relationship with running? What things did you do to help heal that relationship? And what things maybe or barriers did you have to put up? Yeah. It took a long time. Um, I do remember for maybe the first five years post-collegiately, it was like that pressure and um, just forcing that relationship is kind of how I put it, Um, putting too much pressure on myself during that time. And so I think I had to get injured again, unfortunately, to really like bear myself down and realize that this wasn't going to work. And through recovery, um, I had to take a step back and really find other things instead of running um, that I found to be, you know, more fun and freeing at the time. So my husband's really into backpacking. Mm. We're really outdoorsy. So I got into biking a lot when I was injured. Um, And it really just had to be Um, fun for me to be able to um, do again. And so I think it was also finding a coach or, you know, a running club where there were no pressures. Um, And so it just took some time for me with that. Um, And I think just being mindful of my intention and knowing my why with why I'm doing it. And really it's just for, for me, it's, for the joy of it now, but um, I kept having to ask myself that during the process. Well, thank you sh- for sharing your story. I I love hearing more stories of recovery, especially yes. around yeah. exercise and being a collegiate athlete. It's so important for our listeners to hear that. So yeah. um, I'm sure that had um, an impact in you starting the fly movement. So can we yeah. hear a little bit more about what that is and why you decided to establish this type of organization? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I got to a point, I guess, in my recovery where I was able to start sharing. And I think when I talk to people in their recoveries, um, when you get to that point, 
it's just amazing how much you can grow and recover from there. Um, because I know that like in secrecy, um, an eating disorder can thrive. And I was in that place for so long that it felt so freeing to get to a place where I was able to share. Um, and it's not to say that it's easy. So I want to say that as well as, you know, when I do workshops, when I tell my story, it's not like, um, it's so easy to say these things because, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of a, a place in your life where maybe, you know, you are still wounded, but um, it is freeing to have those words said out loud. Um, and so the fly movement, which stands for fuel, fuel your mind, body and soul, love yourself and others as is, and you are enough and can make a difference, mm. um, was was founded by me and actually Jody Whipple, who is a local registered dietitian. And we found each other right around the same time um, because I started conversations with um, individuals at the university that had a passion for change and sparking some of these conversations that I never got to have when I was an athlete. And so we wanted to create transparency because I think these things aren't talked about enough. I, I know they are more and more now, but when I was an athlete, they weren't. And so doing these workshops with teams and camps is just a small part of the change um, that I wanted to see happen. And actually now I've branched out on my own and I'm doing workshops individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jody kind of looks over my uh, presentations, but, and we're still really good friends, but, um, I've been doing them on my own a lot. And so, and I know a lot of, I took, I, I took some time off because I had my son in September, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of my planned workshops in the future, um, are with active minds, which is a yeah. mental health, uh, campus <clears throat> club or chapter, And so that's at Stockton University, which is in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. and that's coming up in March. And then I'm also talking with a local ballet company where I know um, one of the owners about doing a workshop with them. Um, So there are things in the mist, in the works, and it's kind of nice because I get to pick and choose um, how often and when and kind of around my schedule. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's become kind of this popular trend to have these letter to your younger self, but I would be curious, Yeah, what would be your biggest advice to young athletes that maybe you see yourself in them, right? Yeah. Oh, that's something actually in the body project you do as well. Like you write a letter to, I think, yourself or um, just a younger girl um, at the time, and what would you say to them? And I just always go back to that it's okay to not be okay. Uh, You know, we always think about being perfect or not showing emotion or, you know, males and females as athletes um, to be strong all the time. And I think it's important to find someone, no matter who they are, that you can confide in. Um, I had to find that person to then open all the doors. And for me, it was my husband. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, and to just be honest with yourself and to understand that we are resilient and strong as humans and as females, as males, as um, athletes, and that you can recover from this. Because I think when you're in the thick of it, you don't see it happening. You don't 
you know, you don't see the end, you don't see the light, but I think it's just one step at a time and you're going to move forward no matter what, even if you do take a step backward. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's important to have a support system. And I would have told myself when I was younger to share with somebody that it's okay that you're struggling. So thank you. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, I know you're you're busy and uh, a new mama is baby boy about five months old now. Is that pretty close? Yeah, four and a half, but yes, yeah, very close to five. You're in the thick yeah. of things, girl. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Has I know. your relationship with Renny been now postpartum? I know you're only four months out, but I know that's a big change too, being a, a yeah. runner who mm-hmm. has recently had a baby. Uh, I, I think through, and I did post about this, um, at some point that through pregnancy, um, I've learned so much about my body mm-hmm. that I appreciate it so much. And I've completely like surrendered the, I guess the aspect of trying to look or feel a certain way, um, with appreciating it. And so that also plays a part into running, um, Because I think one thing that's not really talked about either with postpartum is depression and anxiety. Oh, yeah. And I actually have dealt a little bit with that. Mm -hmm. And so depression came knocking again. And like I said, recovery is never ending. And for me, running postpartum has become just more of a mental health thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with running... You know, it's going to change. Your purpose is going to change with running no matter what season of life you're in. Like, what is your purpose with running? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's really just about balance. Um, And I can do that with my son. I can go for a run with my husband now. Like yesterday, we had a snow day. So I um, went cross-country skiing with my husband. And it's just, you know, taking that time and self-care is so important. And I know you know, part of your mission is taking time for self. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't emphasize that enough, no matter what stage of life you're in, that Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself is so important. Yeah. Love it. Any other sort of um, advice for our listeners in living out the fit philosophy, Um, balancing performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self? Yeah, I think um, obviously the self the taking time for self peace is really important because I feel like I can't have it all and I can't do it all. And even though we always strive for that, we always see people's uh, highlight reel. It's not real. Um, And so to function on all these other accounts, so balancing your performance, your health and everything else, um, that goal to carve out time for yourself is really important. And so One thing I do encourage um, my followers and in workshops to do is to maybe take a social media break. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did that in January specifically because I was going back to work and I wanted to just focus my time on my family when I did have, you know, time away from work and I felt so refreshed coming back. And so um, that's just something I suggest, even if it's, a day or, you know, these hours of the day to carve out time um, away from that. It's really refreshing uh, when you come back. 
Awesome. Such great words of wisdom. Yeah. Um, you're doing such a amazing things out there. How can people connect to the fly movement? I would say now that I'm back on social media, yeah. um, that's a good way to follow. Um, and I also encourage, um, you know, I do random blogging. And so that's a good way to follow up on some of the things we're doing. Um, or request a workshop. You know, I've done things via, um, I've recorded workshops and had um, different universities implement them on site. Um, So I could do something online or, you know, I'm going to New Jersey and some of these other places. So that could be something as well, you know, partnering with your school or organization. Mm, Great. That's great. Thank you. Well, Megan, thanks so much for being on Um, and, again, what you're doing and continuing this mission out there of more awareness around eating disorder and athletics and all of that. So thank you. Um, I hope you're getting some rest. uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hope you have a good rest of the day. Good. All right. Thanks, Megan. You you, you too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Megan. Bye, Bye. Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com, to find out when the release date is set and when it'll be on Amazon. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.